Welcome to the Unrest Podcast. I'm Madeline Green. My girl Caitlin is covered up with work for a few weeks and I have no life, so it will just be me for a few episodes, but I promise to continue to bring you guys the most amazing real life haunts. Make sure if you haven't already subscribed to the Unrest Podcast that you do so. We would love that. And guess what? Thanksgiving is this Thursday. So I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all. You'll never know how much it means to have so many amazing followers who love spooky stories just as much as we do. So just know we are so thankful for each and every one of you listening right now. Just going to jump right into this week's real life haunt. Jessica shares some very interesting stories about experiences she's had over the years, starting with an experience she had after the loss of a child. So this is a trigger warning for anyone. The first story that she does share involves the loss of a child. Take a listen. So my name is Jessica. I saw my very first ghost. Not to sound crazy, but I saw my very first ghost. When I was seven years old, going down the road, and there was this woman just standing in the middle of the road, I thought my mom was going to run her over because I thought she was a real live woman. And so I yelled at my mom. I was like, Mama, watch out, you know. And when I turned around to look in the rearview glass, she was gone. Like, there was nobody there at all. And that really kind of just sparked my interest in everything. So, you know, I'm 29 now, and I'm super, super interested in all the history everything that leads to that stuff, tapping into, you know, because I, I do believe that there are things afterwards, like, you know, once we kick the bucket, but I want to know what, you know, and I've, I've been lucky enough to see, you know, some of that, but it's just fascinating to me. So when I was 19 years old, I became pregnant and I was a single mom and I was working, I was doing all the things I was, you know, had to make money. Right. And so, um, I went into labor about a month before I was supposed to. And um, my daughter and I, we started having complications when I started laboring. Long story short, they wound up taking her for an emergency C-section because things just got real hairy real fast. And um, when she came out, maybe about 30 minutes after she was born, she went into cardiac arrest. They worked on her for about 45 minutes. They were able to get her heart back beating, but they weren't able to bring her back completely. Three days later, I took her off of life support because she was just deteriorating very, very quickly. I had an emergency C-section, and with with a C-section, you can't really, like, sit up on your own. You can't roll over on your own. Like, it's just really, it's just rough. Like, they cut you down near in half. So, funeral home came and picked her up and everything. That whole entire situation was an absolute nightmare. But fast forward to me getting home, and this was, like, maybe four days after she was born. Came home. And um, my mom, bless her heart, God love her, she slept in my bed with me for like a week after she'd been born. But, you know, right around a week's time, she was like, I can't, I can't keep sleeping in bed with you. You're a grown woman. And so she started sleeping in her bedroom. I had gotten home from doing, you know, just trying to keep my mind busy, came home, lay down, went to sleep. And I was, and I wasn't taking any pain medication at that point other than like Tylenol and ibuprofen. Wasn't taking any, like, anxiety medication, depression medication, nothing. I was just, like, there, you know. So, came home, and I went to bed. And I woke up, and my room was, like, always the hottest room in the house. I woke up because I was freezing cold, 
and it smelled like absolute roadkill in my bedroom. And so, and like, again, with the C-section, I couldn't sit straight up. I was just kind of like planted on my bed. When I opened my eyes up, everything was very light blue in my room. It was like a light blue. And I was like, okay, what is this? And then I opened my eyes up even more and the smell was like, it was just horrendous, like the hottest roadkill on the hottest day. When I opened my eyes, there was this woman, she was floating above me. And like, you know, when you go underwater, your hair is just kind of like floating all around you. Her hair was floating all around her. And I remember being like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I thought it was so weird because her whole body was the whole length of my body. She's floating just above me. And it was weird to me that her hair was floating, but her dress that she had on was like gravity was pulling it down towards me. And she was the ugliest thing I have ever seen in my life. She had like gnarled teeth. She had spit like all in her mouth. Her fingernails were so, so long and like almost curled over. She was, and her fingernails were, I will never forget how dirty her fingernails were. And she smelled just like so bad. And I've always been taught, you know, I don't know where you're from, but I'm from like the deep South. So everybody's always said, you know, if you ever see anything that's like just tripping you out, just say in the name of God, leave, or you can ask it to tell you what, what it wants. And I was like, in the name of God, what do you want? You know? And again, I couldn't move because my stomach, you know, had been cut and I was just planted there. And when she opened her mouth, she never stopped smiling at me. And she said, do you want your baby? And in my mind, I was like, well, yeah, I want my baby. And then I told her, well, yes, I want my baby. And um, she leaned her hand down to me and I started to pick my hand up. That was the only thing I could move. I started to pick my hand up to go to her hand. And then I kid you not, it was like something slammed my whole entire body back. And was like, there's no way that that has your baby. You're crazy if you think that that has your baby, you know. And so then I squeezed my eyes shut. And I was just like, in the name of God, leave. In the name of God, leave. Over and over and over again. And then I kid you not, almost instantly, the entire room got warm again. The smell went completely away. And that blue-like glow that just illuminated my entire bedroom was gone, you know. The only thing that was there was like my glow-in-the-dark clock. And I still couldn't roll over or move or anything. So I had to like inch myself to the bed to sit up so I could drink some water. But there's no way that that wasn't real. That whole, and even now, all these years later, my daughter, she would be nine now. All of these years later, I'm still like, it chills me to my core to think about what would have happened if I had touched that thing's hand. I've spoken with a lot of other folks that um, are in paranormal stuff. And all of them, some of them say that it was a demon. Some of them say that it was sleep deprivation. Some of them say that, you know, there's psychological things that'll lead you to different outcomes, you know, if you have a loved one that passes away. But with my research and with some people that have kind of helped guide me, the biggest thing, the most like common thing that I have found that pretty much matches like the way that it looked is the old hag. You know, in the in the research that I've done, it's something that, you know, comes and it sits on top of your chest. She didn't sit on top of me. She was just floating above me. But it's something that comes and sits on top of your chest. And, you know, it's been associated with sleep paralysis. But, you know, people also believe it's a demon. But I don't, I don't truly know what it was. I just know I don't ever want to see it again. <laughs> so after that happened, um, it was probably, I, I went back to work about two weeks after she was born. And so I had... I had been at work all day long and I came home and took a shower and I laid down again to go to sleep and I 
sleeping in the bed completely by myself. Same thing, I woke up because, not because there was a smell in the room, but because it was so, so, so cold. And when I woke up, my entire bed, and it was a full-size bed, my entire bed was surrounded with people, like, standing all around it. And it was like, like, the room was just packed with people just standing all around it. And the blue, like, glow was there again. And it was so, not to sound crazy, but it was so, like, have you ever been on a super busy bus or like a super busy plane or anything? It's just super, super loud. That's yeah. what it sounded like. And I closed my eyes immediately because I was afraid that thing was going to come back. And I was just like, in the name of God, leave. But I couldn't move again. You know, I couldn't move quickly because of the C-section. I just remember like opening up my eyes and being like, God, I hope they're gone. And I opened them up and they were gone. Thankfully, nobody was, you know, surrounding the bed or anything. That was pretty scary. Because I was seriously anticipating that creepy thing coming back and, you know, being over me. We moved to that house after my parents divorced. And I, my brother, he was down in the living room one time. He was asleep. He woke up because the TV just kept changing channels. And he thought, like, you know, my mom was, you know, standing in the staircase, like, changing the channels or something. He hollered at her to ask her what she was doing. And she didn't answer because she was still in the bed. She wasn't changing the channels. And so when he went to get up to go to the staircase to see, you know, if she was at the staircase, he said that he saw something like short and black run like from one side of the living room to the other side of the living room. And there was a time, you know, I was checking on him and I was maybe 11 when this happened. He had always told me that he felt like there was a little boy that would like live in the house, you know, that would be in the house that I guess was departed. But he, he never said that he saw anything at that point. I poked my head in and there was like this, it had like red hair and it had, you know, just a weird, like almost sadistic smile. And it was wrapped around him. He was laying on a pallet in the floor watching TV. And it was just like wrapped around him, almost like a cat would be wrapped around like, you know, a warm blanket or something. And it had green eyes. And like, he would tell me too, that he had seen, uh, that my brother had seen, you know, like a tall man with a black hat. And he would be like as tall as like the door frame. You know, and my mom would see him, too. I I grew up and I moved out and, you know, became successful and did all the things. Now that I've got my own house, it was pouring down rain. It was probably about 4 or 5 o'clock. It was pouring down rain in the afternoon, and it was raining so hard that, like, you know those November rains where it's just pouring down rain and it makes everything outside dark? It was one of those, and, and I kid you not, I was actually researching how to clean headstones without damaging them, and I had that, I had that on the TV on YouTube while I was deep cleaning my house, and um, my back door that nobody ever uses, somebody started beating on my back door, so I jumped like 10 feet out of my skin, and I went ahead and I went to the back door, and it was this little bitty old lady, and she was standing out there in the pouring down rain, you know, and I didn't have a roof on that back porch. And so I, I just grabbed her and, you know, pulled her in. And I was like, what are you doing out here? Why are you at my back door? And it's raining. And I'm like, where's your people at, you know? And she she wanted to let me know that she was my neighbor. She wanted to let me know that a package had been delivered to her house. And it was, you know, my package. And so she wanted to bring it over. She's soaking wet, standing in my living room. And I went ahead and I opened up the package. She was telling me, you know, the history of the area and everything. And she was saying that it had been rumored that... um you know, back in the day, people would just like steal headstones. And I guess, I don't know if she saw the headstone cleaning thing on my TV or not, but she was saying that, you know, people would steal headstones and they would like line their flower beds with them or they would, 
you know, whatever, make steps with them, whatever. I was opening up the package and my grandma had just recently passed away, right? So I was opening up the package. Someone had sent a wind chime in her honor to us. So that's what that was. And the room that she passed away in was in on the other side of my house. I opened up the package and then in that room, nothing was in that room. Because when she passed away, we just cleared it out and we just didn't really know what to do with the room afterwards. Something fell off of a dresser in that room. And I mean, in that room was like all the way on the other side of the house by itself, right when all this stuff was happening. And she always told me, because like I'm very particular about, you know, the cleanliness of my house and things being in their own particular spots and everything. She always told me, you know, when she did kick the bucket, she was like, I'll come back and I'll just throw stuff off of the uh, dressers. And it's like, okay, I see you. <laughs> you know? And I feel like, you know, people that are open to that stuff, they they don't brush it off as much, you know? I do think that I'm, I think that everyone is predisposed to be able to like tap into other parts of different realms, not to sound crazy, because I know that does sound crazy, but I do think that other people are, I think that everyone is capable of that, but I think at some point people start to just kind of suppress that a little bit, whether it's like a parent telling them, no, you didn't see that, that didn't happen, you know, or it's society being like, you're crazy. You just need to get away from this thought process and go towards something else. I think that everybody eventually, they either find the niche that they want to be in and they go that way and they they stay receptive to stuff. And I know in my experience, it was always... Everyone in our family has always been just like, as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're not hurting yourself, go do what makes you happy. And so it was never, I don't ever remember anyone ever telling me or my brother or my mom or my grandma or anyone else in the family that is capable of, or or at least open-minded to things like this. I don't ever remember anyone telling us you can't or you shouldn't. My daughter... She is five now, She and it's crazy, you know, because she doesn't remember it now. But when she was little, she was, I don't know, she was probably about two, three years old. She's always been very articulate. She was talking to me about her great-grandmother, and she never met her great-grandmother, neither did I. But she, one of the distinct, like, features that her great-grandmother had was very red hair. Like, she was just known for her fiery red hair. And um, she climbed up in my lap one day and she said mama um you know anybody named and I said well no and she said well I do she's got bright red hair and I was like really and she was like she she keeps talking about pawpaw and pawpaw is pawpaw was husband and um I was like oh okay and then I made the connection I was like okay and she went to get down out of my lap and then she came right back up and she said mama hold on hold on and I was like okay and she said who is um and then she stopped, and I was like, who's who? And she started to describe her deceased grandfather, my husband's dad. Mm-hmm. And um, he, and I never met him either, but she was telling me that he had red hair, and he was really, really tall, and it was crazy because she said, she was like, what are those little um, round brown things that are like cakes? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, they're like Debbie's. And, like, I don't let my kids eat Debbie cake. She's never heard about that at all. But she said they're like Debbie's. I was like, a Debbie cake? And she said, yeah, like a Debbie cake. He loves to eat those. And I was like, what the hell? Okay, I'm going to have to pick somebody's brain in the family because I don't know anything about this man. She was like, okay, well, um, I got to go, Mom. And I was like, okay. And she ran off to her playroom. And she was still in there, like, steadily talking and laughing and, like, pointing and just doing all the things. And I was like, bro, are you in my house right now? And so... 
after she went to bed, I was talking to my husband about it, and I was like, what is the correlation between your dad and Little Debbie Cakes? And she was, he was like, oh, he loved fudge rounds. He used to eat Debbie Cakes all the time. Like, he would keep, you know, boxes of Debbie Cakes with him all the time. And, you know, if he was working on cars or out fishing or hunting or whatever, that was, like, the go-to snack, you know, was the fudge rounds. I was just like, well, I'll be down. Would you look at that, you know? Because that's such a, it's such a personal thing for him that I never would have known. And she obviously definitely would have known. She's never even been exposed to Debbie Cakes. My uh, my grandma, you know, she passed away in our house. She was maybe less than two. She was almost two. We had pictures, you know, of my grandma and everything. And um, there was one day, it was after, it was like right in the middle of 2020, you know. So we were just like stuck at home, just like looking through pictures and playing board games and kicking it old school. She found a picture of my grandma and she picked it up and she was like petting her face and everything. And she said, that's Nikki. And we never called my grandmother by her first name. You know what I mean? Like, her name was Baba. And um, I said, what? And, you know, again, like, she's a super articulate little kid. She said, that's Nikki right there. And um, I was like, okay, how do you know? And she was like, well, she told me. And she was like, she doesn't look like that anymore, though. And for her to know that that was her name and nobody, like, even now to this day, I still call her Baba when I talk about her in conversation. I I would never address that woman as Nikki and no one else would. And so for her to just know that, it was just like, girl, what? My daughter, my oldest daughter, every year at her birthday, we go and we'll take one stone and we will put like, it's, you know, it's just a special pretty stone. We'll put it in a creek that's right down the road from our house. There's a playground and it's an old, just dilapidated playground right I mean like it's within walking distance of this creek and so every year after we do that we always walk up to the playground and we'll swing on the on the swings or we'll slide down the slides you know just do whatever and we'll stop at that playground you know pretty regularly even when it's not her birthday and um and like my my kids know about their older sister but like we don't do there's no like shrine in the house to her. We don't like have a birthday cake for her. We don't, you know, do all those things. And I also only talk to them about her if they bring her up to me because I don't ever want them to feel like they have to compete over her memory or anything. There's never any discussion. I'm never, I don't ever bring her up unless they want to talk about her. And even then, you know, it's very like, it's normally just me answering their questions and stuff. So we had um, stopped at the playground at one point. And I know it probably sounds crazy, but every time I would get on the swing set, you know, and I'm a full grown woman, but I'll get out there and play like the best of them. I'll, I'll get on the swing set every time. And that is when I feel the closest to all of my kids is when I'm swinging on that swing. I feel like all of them are right here and like in this forum with me, you know, but I've never told anyone that, you know, we were swinging. I was swinging, swinging with my kids, having a good time and everything. And it almost like, Every time I'm on those particular swings, it almost brings tears to my eyes because I feel like my oldest daughter's presence along with my other kids' presence so, so, so hard. So we finished up at the playground and everything, and I felt it just like super strong that day, but I didn't say anything. When we came home and we were playing outside, my five-year-old, she came up to me and she said, Mom, do you know what I did today? And I was like, well, I don't know what you do. And um, she said, I was playing on the swings with, uh, and then she said, you know, my oldest daughter's name. And she was like, Mom, she loves to swing. And I was like, well, what? What did you just say? And she was like, she loves to swing, Mom. She was like, every time we go to the park, she's there. And I had never 
said anything like that to anybody. Like that had always been something that I had kept inside myself because I thought I, I was afraid someone would be like, well, she's crazy. But homegirl over here was just like, yeah, mom, she loves to swing, you know, and I'll never forget her being so, so, so serious about that. You know, she was just so like telling me the sky's blue or the trees are blowing in the wind. It was just like just one more thing that happened in the day. I do believe that there are things that are out of our control. You know what I mean? And I do believe, I don't think that anyone should ever play with fire. Like I said, I'm not a religious person, but I do feel like one of the best pieces of advice, pieces of advice anyone has ever given me has been if you are ever in a tight situation like that, like, you know, you're seeing something that's just really freaking you out, just to say in the name of God, leave. And in my experience, that has always made whatever, you know, I was doing with go away. I would tell them too that they need to be respectful and they need to they need to pay attention to their mental health. They don't need to be messing with any kind of fire whenever they are drinking or messing with any kind of drugs or anything because I feel like that's when people are more susceptible to bad things, trying to, to get in, you know, touch with them. And like with my daughter passing away, I always wonder, you know, if maybe that that thing that was looking like a woman if maybe it had reached out to me because I was in a very weakened state, you know what I mean? And so I would just tell anyone that is interested in it, be interested in it all day long, but also understand that there are probably points of it that are stronger than we all are. I was just blown away at all the experiences that Jessica and her family had over the years. I really enjoyed the ones about the grandfather and the little Debbie cakes just because she didn't let her kids have Debbie cakes, but Debbie cakes were a staple in my household. So it was just kind of sweet and innocent and almost brought a sort of comfort to know that our loved ones live on and sometimes come back to visit us. But I will say, I hope I never get a visit from the entity from her first story. I don't even know really how I feel about it. I'm interested to see what you guys think about that story and maybe what that could possibly have been and why it visited her. And if you have a story that you'd like to share with us, you can reach out to us at the unrest podcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure you are following us on all social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and we hope you have a fabulous Thanksgiving. And until next time, unrest in peace.